and we're live with Be Green with Amy. Greetings and welcome everyone. Welcome to Be Green with Amy. I'm Amy. Since 2012, I have been coaching people to join me in achieving their plant-based lifestyle goals of weight loss and improved health. So please post your questions for our guests, post comments, tell us where you're from, or you could even type, be strong, be well, and be green. So just task voice, let's welcome our guest. Dr. Christina Miller is double board certified in emergency and integrative medicine. Dr. Miller focuses exclusively on nutrition and lifestyle changes to get to the root cause of disease and illness while promoting wellness and longevity in each individual. She is now proud to be part of the plant-based telehealth.com team, offering plant-based telemedicine services to patients across the country. Be Green with Amy welcomes Dr. Christina Miller. Welcome, Dr. Miller. Thank you. It's so wonderful to be here, Amy. I am so glad you're here. And, and today we're going to be talking about thyroid health, and it is just so important to talk about this. We have had people, I'm sure you have patients, and I've had people talk to me about wanting to adopt the plant-based lifestyle or that they have already adopted it. And sometimes they have some stumps along in the road and they think that maybe it's not going to work for them. And I really am glad that they're joining us here today because they're going to learn about how a plant-based diet can be very helpful if they just know what to do specifically for a thyroid issue which is different than what other people who do not have thyroid issues may be doing with a plant-based diet. So if you can talk about how you came upon this lifestyle and incorporated it into your practice. Yeah, I would be happy to. Um, so I am trained in internal medicine and emergency medicine, and I was working in the ER and I myself started having swelling in my fingers and it progressed to the point that I had severe joint pains all over my body. And I was rapidly diagnosed with lupus. And um, so I was put on medications, including steroids, including immunosuppressives, um, Plaquenil, which is an antiviral, anti-malaria type drug, which helps the immune system. I was put on all these medications. And from there, I needed more medications. And I was finally on six medications and still having joint pains and not getting better. It was progressing to multi-organ injury, this autoimmune disease that I had. And it was at that time I started wondering what else could I do? This was um, over 10 years ago now, and there was nothing really on the internet, at least I didn't know about it. I didn't know of anyone else who was plant-based yet. It wasn't even part of my existence. I hadn't learned any of this in medical school. And so I myself learned about that. I started to learn about diet a little bit, and I flew out to conferences and started listening to speakers and learning everything I could. I read everything I could from the China study to um, Dr. Esselstyn, Dr. Furman's work, um, Dr. Um, Dean Ornish's work. And I changed my diet, overhauled it to a plant-based diet. And over the years, I've honed it down to really help me with my symptoms and get it under control and put it in remission. And I'm doing well now. And I work now as a plant-based doctor and like to help other people with their chronic illnesses. Wow, what an experience. Right. And here you had all this medical school and education behind you. Like there's other doctors that we interview here, you didn't have any of this information provided to you in all your years of medical school. Right. I had the two right. residencies, internal medicine, which is adult medicine and emergency medicine. And I had never learned about the benefits of diet in, in affecting these illnesses. Today, I want you to just get started and talk to us about how you help your patients and what people who are listening can think about and learn. Yeah, thank you, Amy. So today we're going to um, talk about the thyroid disease specifically. And um, the reason I think this is a good topic for me to talk about is I see so many patients with hypo or hyperthyroid, and it's a very common complaint. And so it's something that we can get under better control. And I want to talk about it a little bit so people sort of understand what it even is. I'll say that it's one of the most common autoimmune diseases. Um, it can be autoimmune related. That's 
um, in hypothyroid. It's hash called Hashimoto's where you actually make antibodies to your thyroid and it destroys the actual thyroid tissue. Once the thyroid tissue is destroyed, it's destroyed. It's not repairable at that point. And people have to be put on thyroid replacement hormones like levothyroxine. But before it's fully destroyed, um, we may see an elevation of, of thyroid numbers, or we may see um, symptoms of hypothyroid, which I will review with you. And at that time, if people make diet and lifestyle changes, it actually can be reversible or can it be improvable? Um, and we often see that. So early on, we see people are able to fully reverse it. Later on, they may be able to improve it a little bit. Um, and we also wanna prevent other autoimmune diseases from happening because once you have one autoimmune disease, it's, you're three times more likely to get another one. And there's actually strong links with uh, hypothyroid and hyperthyroid with other autoimmune diseases. So to me, it's real important. It's a sign that your, your body is out of balance and it's attacking itself. It's mistakenly thinking your thyroid is foreign material and it's attacking it. And so it's our job to get it back under control, bring balance back on before other things start to go wrong. That's sort of my approach to people. And I look at people holistically. So when I see them, I, I do a complete history and physical. I wanna know everything about them from how they grew up, what toxic exposures they have, what kind of jobs they have, how much stress is in their lives, what, how much do they sleep, what do they eat, um, what medical conditions do they have? What medications are they taking now or have they ever taken in the past? Is that can contribute? All of these factors, how people eat, how people live their lives, this all affects our thyroids and it affects our bodies, right? And so I do this holistic approach where I take a look at everything about the person when they come to see me and we try to figure out what's going on. And so I can go over kind of my step-by-step a little bit more about the thyroid from hypothyroid, hyperthyroidism, and what I my six big tips are to help get thyroid under control. Uh, we can go over that now. Okay, well, I'm really glad that you brought it up that it's not just diet, that there are other factors. And so some people may be trying to adopt this lifestyle already have, and maybe it's not working for them. And you're going to talk to them more about that as well. So for the people that are just listening because they want to see who's up on the show. Can you just kind of talk a little bit about what is a thyroid? Where is it in our body? And kind of just briefly talk about what it does for Absolutely. our bodies. Absolutely. I'm happy to. Do you want to show our first slide? Okay. There you Thank go. You. Yeah. So this is the thyroid. It's in our neck and you can see it right here. Um, it's kind of a wing-shaped organ. And typically, it's you cannot see it or feel it in most people. Um, so when you swallow, you might see kind of a little bulge go up and come down. It's usually, it's right over the voice box area. Um, and you should, it's usually not able to be seen. When someone gets thyroid disease, sometimes you can develop inflammation or a goiter. Um, and at that time, you can see, actually see the thyroid. You might feel hard nodules in it, in part of it. Um, or you might be able to see it a little bit in some people, and that's called a goiter, but that's the thyroid organ. And it's an endocrine organ, means it produces hormones that work throughout our bodies. Thyroid hormone works in every single cell of our body. Um, and this is an example of thyroid hormone, actually. This is T4 um, thyroxine, it's called, and it's how it's secreted from that thyroid gland into the body. And when it gets to the cell, this is um, converted into T3. But the T4 means it has four iodine units. So these are the iodine, one, two, three, four. And we're going to talk about the different uh, nutrients besides iodine that go in to make the thyroid hormone. That is just so fascinating. Go ahead, continue. Thank you. And this is um, an example. Hyperthyroid is one type of thyroid disease where you're actually making too much of that thyroid hormone. And um, the, what the thyroid does in general is it... Uh, keeps it's it keeps your body functioning. It helps with metabolism. It helps with growth. It helps with body temperature. It's a very important um, hormone, and it works. Like I said, it works on every single cell in our body. And so, 
Um, without thyroid hormone, we have all sorts of problems, but we also have problems when we have thyroid access. So when we have thyroid access, that's what this slide is showing, we may find that people are eating and, and not gaining weight. Um, that's an example of thyroid excess. Um, we may see that they are they have their heart rate feels fast to them and we, we can see them. Sometimes they come into the ER with a heart rate of 150 and it's their heart is beating so fast and we can't really slow it down because it's due to this excess thyroid hormone that they're producing. We may see, they may tell us that they're anxious, that they're having a hard time sleeping, that they're shaky, they have a tremor, um, they're always warm and um, they just feel irritated. They're very irritable and nervous and anxious and just they're out of sorts with their bodies. And they also can have really um, dry skin, brittle hair, things like this. So we see these symptoms in people and um, we know to check right away is, uh-oh, is their thyroid out of balance? And that's a sign of too much of this thyroid hormone. And then hypothyroidism is the opposite. And that's when you're not producing enough of the thyroid hormone. And we see the opposite signs and symptoms. So um, people can also feel weak and fatigued with either of them. People feel weak and fatigued. But with hypothyroid, it tends to be like a deep fatigue. Like people are just tired. They can't explain it. Um, they can be depressed. And I think that goes hand in hand with the fatigue. But thyroid hormone definitely can help with your mood and give you that spunk you have. So when you don't have thyroid hormone, you just feel blah. And that's kind of what people complain of. They gain weight, they feel like they look at food and they gain weight, that can be a complaint. Um, they're constipated. So thyroid hormone is actually needed to move stool along. And so it's one of the reasons when I see constipated patients, I right away check their thyroid levels. And I want their thyroid level to be good so that they're not they're not constipated. And that is an important um, contributor. And it is really important for gut health too, that we have an um, appropriate amount of thyroid disease. Um, they also can have brittle hair and nails. So that's also seen. And they can get puffy, swollen. So they can have swelling in their lower extremities, swelling in their face. We'll see swelling in their face. Um, and they're the opposite of the hyperthyroid people where they're cold all the time. They have temperature regulation problems. So you can see it's an opposite what this hormone is doing. And of course, like um, Goldilocks, we want the happy medium, right? Just the right amount of thyroid hormone. So thank you for those slides. Um, so we'll continue from there. Uh, and I hope if people have any questions, you can ask me at the end. So autoimmune diseases are just a few of the types of hypo and hyperthyroid. There are other causes of it, although admittedly, they're much less common. So for example, you can get a virus, viral thyroiditis. And in fact, COVID-19, we saw people come in with um, thyroid issues, either hypo or hyperthyroid, and that was due to COVID infection in their in their thyroid. Other viruses can do that as well. And it typically it flares up, we may see abnormalities of our thyroid hormones, and people may see, experience these symptoms, but it's temporary. As the virus improves, those symptoms improve. So there are cases where we see that, although admittedly, it's very rare. The most common thing we're seeing right now is um, hyperthyroid due to Graves, which is autoimmune, or hypothyroid due to Hashimoto's, which is autoimmune. And what that means is that the person is making antibodies to their thyroid. It either makes antibodies to the, the hormone itself being secreted or part of it making it so you become hypothyroid, or it makes hormones um, telling you that you already have enough thyroid and so your body doesn't produce it and you become hypo, or it makes it and you produce too much. So you can get hormones either way to different things. And we can measure these different hormones and find out what type of hypo or hyperthyroid people are. Um, and so to go on from there, um, I want to go over six things that I do with my patients to optimize thyroid health. Now that you understand what the thyroid is and what thyroid disease is all about. And um, in general medical treatment, if someone is found to be hypothyroid, um, what they're going to do is put them on thyroid medications and just that's it. They just go with that. They find out that if the TSH, the thyroid stimulating hormone, that's the one that's measured in the lab, that's secreted by your um, by your pituitary to your thyroid, telling it to secrete thyroid medicine thyroid hormone. And if that is if that is low, then they're considered hypothyroid and they are put on thyroid medicine. And so, I mean, I'm sorry, if that is high, because it's a feedback, I have, I have actually a slide that I might want to share with you to go over that. So it's, 
you can understand what I am talking about there. Well, while you find that, I'm really happy that you talked about these symptoms because sometimes people have these symptoms and they have no idea that they should go and consult a physician about it because they think, oh, I'm just always cold or I have depression or I'm just always constipated. There are all these different symptoms that you talked about. And there could be other reasons, but again, it could be something due to the thyroid as well. So it's really good that you're, we're talking about this today to raise awareness. Yeah, and it's extremely common. And that's why I think it's important that people know that if they're feeling some of these symptoms, we should get them under control, including constipation. It's such a common thing. And nobody even thinks to check a thyroid because it's the gut, but there's a strong gut thyroid access. And so we know that when we take a holistic approach, if people are experiencing any of these other symptoms that it could be due to the thyroid hormone. So um, I just wanted to explain, yeah, share this one slide with you guys. So this is a, this is a screen I wanted to show all of you guys. This is real important. This is your thyroid gland. You saw that little um, picture of it. This is my drawing of it. And um, this is thyroid stimulating hormone is secreted by the pituitary gland to the thyroid. And the thyroid then produces what's called T4. That's the thyroxin that I showed you earlier. T4 goes to your cells. This is a cell right here, cell receptor. At your cell receptor, it either becomes T3, which is triiodothyronine, which is three iodines. We'll just call it T3. That binds to your cell and activates each cell. It gives each cell energy. It activates the mitochondria, which are your energy powerhouses. It activates the nucleus to divide and be active. It brings your cell to life. It can also, when it hits the nuclear receptor at the cell, it can also turn into reverse T3, which slows it down. So if you're in, if you're doing a fast, let's say you're doing a water fast and you're not eating, your body thinks you're starving at that moment, at the beginning, you know, when you're just starting out and it might produce a little more RT3, reverse T3, it slows your hypothyroid. What we see is stress also produces reverse T3. People who are really stressed out are producing a lot of this reverse T3 and they will have sluggish thyroid. They will be hypothyroid. And it's simply due, I shouldn't say simply, stress is not the least simple thing in the world. It's so hard. Um, it's so invasive, right? We have stress everywhere. And that slows down our thyroid. So I always bring attention to that, to the thyroid. But I wanted you to sort of get of a sense how it how it is. And we can make antibodies. So inside the thyroid, we have thy, um, tyrosine, which is an amino acid here. We have the nutrients that we require to make that thyroxine, that thyroid hormone, which is iodine and zinc and selenium and iron, magnesium, B vitamins, vitamin C. These are all necessary to make um, thyroid hormone appropriately. So if we're nutrient deficient, we are going to have hypothyroidism. If we um, form antibodies, we could form antibodies to any part of this process and any part of the making of it, and we will release less T4 and we will become hypothyroid. We can make antibodies to TSH here, and then we think we already have a high TSH and we will produce, we will overproduce um, antibodies and become hyperthyroid. So it depends on what part of it we're making antibodies to it. Once we make antibodies, it can actually destroy the thyroid tissue. And once the thyroid tissue is destroyed, it's not usually reversible, not yet anyway. So our goal is to get people as healthy as possible to reverse those antibodies, to lower the inflammation um, and to help them produce as much T4 and T3 as they can to be active. Oh, the other thing that affects reverse T3. So I said not eating for a prolonged time causes RT3 to kick in. Um, stress causes RT3 to kick in. Nutrient deficiency, it will slow it down because it thinks that it doesn't have the, the nutrients and inflammation. So all everyone walking around with chronic inflammation, inflammatory states have increased reverse T3, and they are also not producing thyroid hormone. So our to optimize health, if you think of it in a holistic approach, we want to get the appropriate amount of TSH secreted to the thyroid, have all the right wonderful nutrients here to produce the appropriate amount of T4, have nothing inhibiting it, so we produce T3. And things that produce more T3 are quality sleep, are um, the right nutrients, 
exercise, all of this increases the good T3, the T3 we need to go to the cells and be active. So I think this kind of gives you a good sense of um, how your thyroid is working. And so now when I talk about what the tips are that I use to help people improve their thyroid health, you can think of me going through each of that in a holistic approach, knowing everything that goes into making thyroid hormone and for it to function appropriately. It's not just making it, but it has to function appropriately. And when we have that, we get optimizing thyroid health in a nutshell. <laughs> that certainly gives people hope because I think for those people who have been attended to by a physician, they probably were given some kind of a prescription and then said, this is what you're going to be on for the rest of your life. Come back and we'll check on it and not giving them any tools to maybe have control over something in their lives and, and maybe reduce or eliminate the medication. So I'm really glad that you're going to share this with us. Mm -hmm. So I want to go over six tips that I have to help people maximize their thyroid health. And, um, and you can think when you go back to thinking of that screen, that's sort of how it all kind of comes together. So the first tip is a whole food plant based diet. And diet really is important for thyroid health, one to maximize nutrients status. Um, you know, if you're eating a standard American diet and you're eating cereal and grilled cheese and whatever standard American food, you may not be getting all the antioxidants, all of the phytonutrients, the vitamins and minerals that we get in a whole food plant-based diet. And a whole food plant-based diet to me means vegetables, fresh fruit, fresh fruit and vegetables. Um, it means legumes, all different beans. It means a small amount of nuts and seeds and whole grains. So a good whole food plant-based diet. And again, I always emphasize whole food. There's a difference between plant-based and whole food plant-based. So plant-based is chips and crackers. And there's so many plant-based foods now, plant-based foods that are in grocery stores. And that those aren't healing foods. Um, they're better for the environment, maybe. And they're better, definitely better for animals. Um, but they're not necessarily going to help us heal or reverse an autoimmune disease like uh, thyroid disease, either hypo or hyperthyroid. So a whole food plant-based diet is the first tip that I work on with my patients, helping them develop a plan that will work for them, what they can eat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what that includes to make sure they're getting plenty of all the nutrients. They need amino acids. They need the zinc. They need the iron. They need the iodine. They need all the nutrients. So making sure that they have a well-balanced whole food plant-based diet. That's the first step of my optimizing thyroid health. Um, the next step that I have is eliminating gluten. And I do that for a period, a trial period. It's not forever and it's not for everyone forever, but there is a link between the thyroid um, and gluten that the, there's a similarity between what gluten looks like um, for, the for the receptor and what thyroid the thyroid gland itself looks like for the hormone receptor. So people can be eating gluten and develop an antibody to the gluten. And that same antibody is going to go then and attack the thyroid. So sometimes in a certain subset of people taking the gluten out has helped the antibodies go down and they actually can lower their number of antibodies. So we can do gluten testing for people um, or we can do a trial without gluten for maybe about two months. I do it with them and we watch what happens. We retest their labs. And for some people we can add it back in and we watch what happens, see how they feel, see how they do. Um, for other people, it is a problem and we keep it out and we watch them improve with it. So it's a trial for people that I recommend taking the gluten out so that we don't miss that subset of people. Um, then the third thing I do is optimize gut health. So I already mentioned that there is a link between the gut and the thyroid, kind of a gut thyroid connection. And the vagus nerve is talking back and forth from the thyroid to the gut and vice versa. So if we have inflammation in our guts, if we have gas and bloating, if we have dysbiosis where our microbiome, the bacteria that live inside of our gut is out of balance, it's not the appropriate amount of all these different um, bacteria and virus and fungi that live in our guts. If it's out of balance, that can cause what we call dysbiosis, which can lead to gas and bloating, not digesting our food appropriately. We lead at least to male digestion. And when we don't digest our food appropriately, we're not absorbing nutrients appropriately. So we can see people who are deficient in things like iron or zinc or magnesium, and these are necessary for the thyroid health. So we have to improve gut digestion 
and metabolism to improve absorption of the appropriate nutrients, lower that inflammation so that the thyroid has the right tools and it's not inflammation because inflammation that starts in the gut goes through the whole body, including to our thyroid. So um, if people have gas or bloating or loose stools or constipation, um, any gut issues, we want to make sure we address that and get that under control with a, with a plan. And there's different food plans, depending on what their symptoms are, what's going on, that we can get that under control. Um, we may need some supplements with that. We may need, depending on what's going on with each person, but we want to get that under control initially. Um, so that's important to improving thyroid health. So that's the top three, three more to go. The next three is stress. I mentioned that and I, I have to mention how important it is for the thyroid. It's vital. And I feel like so often I hear people talking about plant-based diets, plant-based diets, woohoo, plant-based diets, which I am too. I'm the biggest cheerleader for a plant-based diet. But if we don't deal with what's going on in our minds, oftentimes that plant-based diet, it's not enough. Thinking stressful thoughts, being worried, the weight of the world on our shoulders, feeling failure, depressed. And trust me, I have felt so many of these in my own life. And I, I can directly see the link with how it affected my own health. But all of these types of thoughts um, that go on in our heads, they affect, they cause inflammation. They've been shown to raise inflammatory markers. They directly affect what's going on in our thyroid. And so they will suppress your thyroid hormone from working. They will decrease the amount of active T3 at the cell, even if you're producing the right enough in your thyroid gland. Um, and it will cause, it can cause actual hypothyroid and it can promote uh, autoimmune diseases. And so this has been shown in studies. It's been shown in myself and my patients. And so I have, there's a lot of evidence of this now, and it's really important. So I work on this right away with my patients. Let's identify what are our stressors and what are some tricks to, to alleviate it. And some of my favorite tricks are getting outdoors, getting away from the stress, everything, just walking outside and looking at the sky and taking it in and just letting a moment of the greatness of this universe and this world just to be, just to be, none of this stress, nothing, just to be. So just being mindful, that's called mindfulness, being present in the moment and not thinking about all these crazy thoughts, but just being there, feeling the breeze, looking at the sky, just kind of feel, that's one of my favorite ones to do. Um, and another one is what I call a timeout where things are racing through our heads and, oh my gosh, I can't believe I got to do this. And, oh, this is, you know, we all feel sometimes I feel this overwhelm and just to think time out as if we're a movie screen right now, as if I'm talking to you guys and I say, time out, Amy, I need a break. Hold on. And I step back and she freezes the screen for me and I have a second to go. <sighs> and then I can walk back in and continue. If you do that in life, if you think about that, when something is happening, if you think, Time out, take, turn around for a second, take that breath. Somehow we get perspective in that quiet moment in that taking a breath, you get perspective again and you can feel that you are back on track and you can suddenly, you can start to handle things. You can think clear, you can, it's worth it. It's worth it, it's worth it to take those timeouts when you're feeling the most stress. And the third one, the last one I'll go over for right now, I have a million mind body tricks, but I'm just gonna say my top three right now is deep breathing taking a slow, deep breath breath in and a slow breath out, um, deep breath out. I try to do at least five seconds in, five seconds out. But in doing that, you activate the vagus nerve. You actually shut off cortisol production. You turn down stress hormones. You start to think clear again. And um, so just doing that. One breath will help. I recommend about five if you can. That takes one minute. Um, but but even just one breath, if that's all you have, do that. It resets you. So um, it's so important for people to do these stress reduction things from taking a bath and listening to music and laughter. And and I hear so often, I feel the weight of the world on my shoulders. People will say, or I'm so stressed. And right away I say, halt, time out. We got to address that. We have to address that right away. So that's something that I work on hard with my patients. We work on plans. It's always the hardest thing. I feel like we can adopt a plant-based diet easier than we can. And I say we because I too am working on it all the time, but I have become a calmer person and I have seen a huge effect of my own health. So if I can do it, I feel like other people can do it too. So that's, that's the fourth tip to healing the thyroid. And it's really important one. Um, number five is more unique to the thyroid and it's eliminating toxins. So 
the thyroid is like very sensitive organ in our body and it's been called the canary in the coal mine where it's the, if you're exposed to a toxin it's like the first organ that can be affected just like the canaries flying in the coal mine and if it drops dead Poor, poor little canary, then you know that there is toxins there. And so it's more sensitive and that's why it's used. And um, so the thyroid is sort of the same way. So if we're exposed to toxins from the time we were born to later in life, they can present later, which is why I asked my patients in their history, have you ever been exposed to toxins, right? And what are some of the common toxins just to be aware of? Um, well, heavy metals, so mercury exposure. So if you're eating a lot of fish or if you used to eat a lot of fish, we can do a blood test for that. Um, the way to detox from it, if you are high in mercury, is to get rid of your mercury exposure. And I'll say seafood is probably the number one. People worry about their cavities. Um, they, they're not always off gassing. So if you have cavities and they could be mercury, if they're the amalgam fill, fillings, I would recommend checking a thyroid level before you just go and get them all removed. While it's great to get them all removed safely, it's very expensive and it's not, it doesn't, hasn't always been shown to be helpful. So um, I recommend getting a level checked first um, to see if that's absolutely necessary. And, um, and then if you can get them removed, that would be great, but not everyone can. So that's why I say that. Um, so, so mercury is one, but um, the biggest source of it is fish and seafood. So removing this fish and seafood from your diet is key, which hopefully is plant-based eaters. That's what we're recommending anyway. And then to get your, um, uh, mercury levels checked. And if they're still elevated, then we do a detox plan, which really is diet. So eating green leafy vegetables, cruciferous vegetables, um, onions and garlic, these sulfur combining or sulfur containing foods, they actually help your liver do ramp up detoxification, really detox. And there's a couple other herbs we use like spir spirulina. We might use um, parsley, cilantro. There's a couple other things that we'll use in a detox regimen, lots of water, sweating. So we have this whole plan for detox if people are heavy metal exposed. Um, but that's one thing. So looking for heavy metals as an exposure. Um, things like what's called triclosan. I don't know if all of you, any of you guys have heard of it. It's in actually in hand, some hand sanitizers. Not all of them, but it's in a few. And so you want to read if it has triclosan. There's been some evidence that, that there's a link with triclosan and hypothyroidism. So that's one possible one. Um, so now that we're all using these hand sanitizers, um, and again, I've bought them and there, it's, I, I read them and it's not in all of them. So hopefully you guys have some that don't have triclosan. And if you do, you want to take it out. But um, other toxins, cigarette smoke is a huge one, hugely linked with hyperthyroidism. So non-smokers are better. So hopefully you guys, if anyone has smoked that you've quit now or you're working on it, excess alcohol can be a toxin. One, it can disrupt your microbiome and your gut. So that gut micro, um, thyroid connection is affected. And two, the alcohol can also... Um, directly affect the thyroid if you're not metabolizing it well, if you're drinking in excess. So a glass here and there is not going to do that usually. So it's it's a higher amount where you don't metabolize it well. Um, but then there's other ones like cleaning products, right? Um, I feel like when you follow these plant-based um, different speakers, you'll hear people talk about cleaning products. And it is true. There's a link with some of them, some of the um, uh, exposures like um, that's the PCBs, the polychromonate chlorinated biphenols and some of these endocrine disruptors that are in it that have been shown to affect the thyroid. So, and it's mostly, it seems like it's more when you breathe it in. So if you're spraying something on the window and then you breathe it in, that type of thing can, it can, in susceptible people can be a toxin that can affect them. Um, with toxins, it's always, it depends also on your microbiome. The microbiome in our guts is responsible and it's in our lungs. It's microbiome coat every surface of our body. And that microbiome is responsible for detoxifying us initially. And so for some people, they may be exposed to the same thing. They have a healthy microbiome that detoxifies well and it doesn't affect them. For other people, their maybe their microbiome is not quite as healthy or they don't have as good detoxifying enzymes, just how they were genetically born. And so for the, that person, these toxins will affect them and they're actually going to see things like hypothyroidism. And so we can, you know, we can really help with looking for some of these toxins and helping to remove it. Eating organic when possible, right? Follow, maybe following the Dirty Dozen from Environmental Working Group. Um, and that's the most contaminated uh, fruits and vegetables that you really want to try to get organic if you can afford it. 
Um, and if you can't, it's okay. Still eat fruits and vegetables are still good for you. And um, so just things like this, avoiding these, these um, different types of exposures to the best of our ability without going crazy. You know, we don't have to buy a new house and detoxify everything, but just each new thing we buy, maybe we get an air purifier if we're living somewhere where there's smoke this summer. Maybe we get plants in the house and we're help detoxify. If the air is fresh outside, we can open the windows and get fresh air and things like that. Drinking clean water. Um, all of that affects the thyroid. So that is my toxin exposure, which is a little unique to the thyroid. And then the sixth one um, is getting appropriate nutrients for the thyroid. And we kind of touched on that. Um, and that is uh, iodine, which is, is need necessary. And you saw iodine in the uh the thyroxin, which is a thyroid hormone, has four iodine molecules. The thyroid stores the iodine. So if you eat iodine, even like every couple of days, if you're getting a little iodine in, it'll be stored in the thyroid and you can use it. Iodine has a very narrow window. So you don't want too much and you don't want too little thyroid. Um, I mean, iodine or either one can cause hypo or hyperthyroidism. So um, I have seen patients who have come in with low iodine levels because they're plant-based and they're not eating any sea salt which is usually iodized and they are hypothyroid because of that and i have seen the opposite now where patients are coming into me with hyperthyroid symptoms and sure enough their iodine is off the charts when we measure their iodine levels so we want to make sure we get the appropriate amounts and what is the appropriate amount we usually recommend between 100 and 200 micrograms a day of iodine. And I actually recommend a supplement often, which is 150 micrograms right there in the middle. But you can get your iodine instead of a supplement from sea vegetables, but watch them. One, they're not always regulated. They don't always have the exact amount. Two, some of them like kelp have a lot of iodine. You can't eat very much of it. You don't wanna to eat too much. So you wanna make sure that you're reading how much iodine is in that kelp and eat just a very small amount to keep your iodine within that clean window. And we can check it and monitor. I have some patients who follow, who do it that way. And we just make sure that their iodine is okay. So whichever you choose, once you stop eating sea, seafood and iodized salt, also, things like milk is often supplemented with, um, it's fortified with iodine. So when you stop drinking milk on a plant-based diet, which is what I'm hoping for for my patients, then um, we do need to pay attention to that iodine level. And sometimes that alone will correct someone's thyroid issues, making sure their, their iodine is optimal. The other nutrients to pay attention, selenium is an anti-inflammatory nutrient that um, helps in when we make the thyroid hormone in our thyroid gland, it actually can produce a lot of um, oxidation, oxidative stress, and that can be damaging to the thyroid in the long run. So taking selenium at the same time as the iodine or just having it in your body um, in adequate amounts can actually put out that inflammation. So um, the amount that's recommended is about 60, I think it's 66 um, micrograms a day is what the FDA recommends. So a lot of people get their iodine from Brazil nuts and um, one Brazil nut has 90 micrograms of iodine, of uh, selenium, and we only need 66 a day of selenium. So, so even one Brazil nut is too much. So I recommend if you're going to get your selenium from Brazil nuts to do it every other day or even every third day. That's really all that you need. You don't want to eat too much. I have seen people selenium toxic and they can get like soft nails and discolored nails and teeth and <clears throat> just feel like fatigue, things like that. So um, optimal selenium is necessary. Other things necessary for making um, thyroid hormone are zinc, uh, which you just need a very small amount. You can get from eating things like pumpkin seeds, um, other nuts and seeds, legumes, things like that. Or um, you can get it from um, a supplement if people are deficient. And I do measure it in some of my patients. I've seen it deficient, even though they're plant-based eaters. Some people don't absorb it as well. And the last one or the other two are iron we need. So you just want to make sure you're not iron deficient. Just simple blood tests will tell us that. And um, magnesium is necessary. So, and that's we can get from fruits and vegetables. So, a good plant based diet, again, is helpful for that. So, those are uh, my nutrients that I just kind of pay attention to, and that they have a well balanced um, plant based diet is extremely helpful. 
And then from there, the last, those are my six tips. And the last um, bonus tip is to make sure that you get your labs tested appropriately. Make sure that they test things like a TSH. And I showed you that's a thyroid stimulating hormone that goes to the thyroid. Make sure that they test um, the T3 and T4 the thyroxin and then the t3 the active they can do the reverse t3 or they can just do the t3 either one is it's not always that helpful but that's something else that can be tested and then test antibodies see if you have them we can follow those antibodies we can see them improve and that's the cool thing we can see the numbers go down or go up and based on it's usually based on how people are feeling too you can see it with your inflammation um, as they go up and go down and we kind of monitor it and we can see improvements as they change their diet and their lifestyle and they work on all these things these factors i discussed we can see an improvement in them so those are my in a nutshell and a quick super quick summary of my tips to improve thyroid health those were fabulous. Thank you so much. I am sure people were scurrying to try to jot down all of your tips because they were just absolutely fabulous. I wanted to ask you about, because you talked about inflammation and that just seems to play a part in so many diseases and things that trouble people sometimes. Some of the doctors that I've interviewed, and I wanted to hear your take on it, some of them have talked about extra fat on the body and how that plays a role in inflammation. Do you have anything you wanted to input about that? Yes, it's true, actually. So the fat cells are not just um, unappealing and annoying to us when they're on our bodies. They actually produce hormones themselves, and they produce things like adipokines, and um, they can increase things like IL-6 um, and tumor necrosis factor, and some of these uh, inflammatory hormones. And these hormones actually um, contribute to some of the inflammation. So when people have extra body fat, it's in general, they tend to have a higher chronic inflammatory state, and it's produced by the fat cells themselves. So as they lose weight, we see that come down, we see their general inflammatory markers come down, we can measure these things. And um, we do see an improvement. So it's, it's part of hopefully what goes on with the plant based diet, when we work on mind body stuff, and we get someone back in balance, we can lose some of the extra weight as well and help them with that inflammation. Absolutely. That's great. And so it just kind of seems like this vicious cycle that one thing feeds into the other. And then if you just can kind of correct one thing, maybe the other things will come along and put the pieces of the puzzle together and, and actually have some healing done. This is just because I think so many people so much hope to know that there may be in your control to at least improve the situation. And there are probably a lot of people that have loved ones maybe that are having some of these issues and to know that that's something that can be done. You talked about your patients. I wanted to bring up the fact that you actually do telemedicine. Can you talk about that? I do. I've been so blessed. About a year ago now, a little over a year ago, um, I joined a group called plantbasedtelehealth.com, and we um, offer telemedicine to all 50 states. I myself am licensed currently in 20 states, and I'm about to be licensed in one more, um, so I'm working on that. And I get to see patients all over the country right now, and so they'll come to me, and, and they fill out this complete history form and physical work or history and and um, review of systems where they go over everything, like I just said, everything about what they eat and how they live. I want to know it all. And I look at it before my visit and I go over it all. And then we have our visit and we can really figure out what for each person, what's going on and get them on a plan and we can order medications or we can do testing if we need to and work with their doctors if they're working with someone already. So it's been a blessing. We do um, consults for people if they want, if they're interested in that. I think that that's fabulous. You talked about so many specific kinds of tests and I could see some people thinking, gee, if I if I had asked my doctor to do these things, I might have to have long conversations trying to convince just knowing that you know which tests to do for which particular condition and case and what kind of follow-up to do. And that's very encouraging. Well, it looks like we have some questions. So let's see what we have. Kathy Cook, could you talk about chronic constipation and what you can do? I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Oh. I have been on, li li okay, you say the name of the medicine for Levo 40 years. Yeah. And my TSH was 1.550 two weeks ago. Oh, at least she has a level to tell you the current level. Yep. Okay, Good. now let's see what we have to say. 
So it looks like your thyroid is okay right now if your TSH is 1.55, so that's good. Your medication's working for you. Um, so then it becomes, what are you eating? Diet is very important for constipation, as is um, amount of water you drink. The number one reason for, for, hypo, for constipation is probably uh, not drinking enough water, and it's almost like a water slide. If you try to go down a, a water slide, but it's dry, you're gonna be like, it, 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 stuck on it. But then you add water to it and whoosh, you kind of flood down it. So making sure when you're hydrated enough, good high fiber diet, if you're eating plant-based, that's helpful, making sure you're eating plenty of fiber. Some people with chronic constipation need extra tips. So there's other things going on. Um, if people are di have diabetes or other medical conditions that can really be constipated, and we may need to do other interventions. But things like um, prunes or prune juice or dried fruit, that's been shown to be helpful. Apples with the skins, um, flax seeds, chia seeds can be helpful for some people. For others, it's not. You have to be make sure you're, you're hydrated enough and then it can be helpful. Legumes are helpful. So I usually add things like that. I really do add the prunes in though. Two to four prunes a day has been helpful for many of my patients. Plenty of water. We always increase that. Make sure you get exercise. You won't your gut doesn't peristalsis and move along if you're not exercising. Um, other medications can inhibit it. So if you're on something else, we want to take a look at it, that. Magnesium, sometimes people do need that little bit extra magnesium in the evening, and that can help soften their stools a little bit too. Um, and, but then it also depends per person. So if there's if those simple tricks aren't working, then there are other more advanced things that we can do. So um, yeah, if you wanna work with someone, we can help you try to figure out if some of that basic stuff doesn't help you, but those are the most common and hopefully that will help you. Yeah, I, a lot of people I run into, especially as they get on in their years, they don't want to make as many trips to the bathrooms. Mm -hmm. So they hold back on the amount of water and they just drink unless they're absolutely thirsty. Otherwise they don't like that vicious cycle, which just goes around and around. And then I've run into people that they might eat a lot of popcorn or crackers or really dry foods right. that it almost does it kind of just suck up the water. It's that, so what happens true. when you eat that kind when of food? When you eat dehydrated and dried fruit, food, it does, it sucks up the water and you need more water. And I see so many people who are a little bit dry, you know, even on a plant-based diet, uh, we don't talk about water a lot. And if you drink too much water, you can wash out your electrolytes. So that's an issue too, because we're not eating, a, you know, any or much salt at all. And so that's an issue, but we do need a little bit of water. And so I would pay attention or if you drink coffee, um, while coffee can help move things along, it can also dry you out. So in the long run, you know, so you do want to pay attention to that. Yep, that's a really good point. Amy. Lynn Davis, I have Graves disease and trying so hard to treat it naturally. What can I do, please? Absolutely, Lynn. Good question. Um, so I would in, I would follow some of these tips that I just went over. That is exactly what I would recommend for someone with Graves' disease from a good whole food plant-based diet, making sure it's well balanced for you, uh, making sure your gut health is good, that you're not that you're having nice regular daily poops and everything is good for you. Um, making sure you're not exposed to any toxins, ongoing toxins. You know, if you've been exposed in the past, um, treating it with a good whole food plant-based diet, we can do a detox plan, but you know, just making sure you're not currently being exposed to things unnecessarily. Um, I would do a trial off gluten and see if you notice an improvement and then recheck labs usually in about six weeks. Um, I would really work on your stress and, and make sure that life is good and you have a way to deal with the chronic stressors that are going on for so many of us. Uh, so that makes sure you have tools in your belt to handle stress and uh, to follow your levels and make sure you have appropriate nutrients. So um, that's exactly what I work on with my patients. And, you know, it's individualized, so it would be based on you. But if you work on some of these things, you may see an improvement in your thyroid. And certainly you would, you don't want it to get worse. You don't want it to spread to other organs of your body. And whatever caused that inflammation to lead you to make antibodies, you don't want to do any more of that. So there's so much benefit when someone have, has, a, has a thyroid disease to make these changes and, and prevent it. So I would implement that and hopefully that will work for you. And if not, um, you can work with someone knowledgeable who can help you try to tease through if there's anything else that you can do. Kathy Cook. Oh, how much water do you recommend? That's a good question. It's a great question, actually. There's not a ton of data on it um, right now. The old the old adage, you know, eight cups a day, There's it's not really based on any data. I usually say about half an ounce per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 
150 pounds, you would drink 75 ounces a day. If you're eating like fresh fruit, like watermelon and oranges, you can drink a little bit less because there's some in that already, but you do need a little bit of water. So um, I, and especially if it's summertime, it's so hot out. If you're exercising, make sure that you are hydrated. Or if you're drinking caffeine, you want to drink a little bit more. Um, if you eat no salt at all, you want to be careful. Keep that on the low end. Um, and if you're eating a lot of fresh fruit and you eat no salt, then you probably want to move that down even less. Instead of half, do a little bit less than half an ounce of pound, per pound of body weight. Good advice. Brenda Clement, you mentioned that there are four types of iodine. What types should be taken if using a supplement? I'm sorry, I must have misspoken, Brenda. There are um, different ways to get iodine. Um, it's all iodine, though, but you can get it through a supplement. You can get it through um, fortified foods. So fortified foods include dairy is usually fortified. Some breads are fortified, but we're not eating dairy or processed breads. Um, so, so we would get it more from either sea vegetables like seaweed or from a supplement. And if you're doing sea vegetables, the different types of seaweed. So um, if you eat nori versus kelp, um, there's several different seaweeds, but if the different ones you would want to read how much is in it and you want to keep it between 100 and 200 micrograms a day or eat a little piece every couple days. Um, so you want to keep an eye on that. And that, that does work for people. If you, if you decide to do it that way, we just, I kind of want to keep an eye on it. If people are doing that, make sure their levels are okay and that they are eating the appropriate amount. Don't go crazy and eat a whole thing of kelp. Your iodine will go off the chart. You'll become hyperthyroid from that. Um, well, not necessarily one time, but but be careful with that too. So just read the amounts of it if you choose to do it that way. So there's different ways you can get your iodine. Okay. Now, did you mention that there was a certain supplement that you recommended? I did not mention a certain type, um, but oh, okay. I use iodine and I do recommend 150 micrograms. And I often use a supplement, um, Complement Plus from lovecomplement.com. And it's a multivitamin made for uh, plant-based eaters. And it has these necessary nutrients like vitamin D3, um, B12, K2. It has a little bit of zinc, which I said a lot of plant-based eaters are deficient in. It has the 150 micrograms of iodine. It has the 50 milligrams of selenium. And it has a touch of DHA and EPA. And that's all that's in it. And so, um, oh, and there's a touch of magnesium. And that's all that's in it. And so for a lot of my patients, I recommend that for them because I know they're getting just the right amount of without being too much. There's no other fillers or toxins or additives in it. Um, for others, they just do it on their own. They may buy 150 micrograms of iodine. They just find a plant-based one um, somewhere at their local store or uh, they may do it from sea vegetables. Sounds like there's such a tricky balance that maybe somebody would just want to go with that supplement that you suggest and not have to worry about it, you know, especially if they're not being consistently tested. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, it's which is why when people are taking it, I don't have to worry. But if they're not, that's okay. We just keep an eye on it. That's all. I was told to take my thyroid replacement meds on an empty stomach to increase absorption. Is that your recommendation? It is actually. That levothyroxine is so sensitive. So if you have it within, I think, it, what did they tell you, like two hours? I can't remember if it's one or two hours, but it's something like that of any other food. You will, it, it isn't being absorbed. The calcium interferes with it. Um, the fat and in food interferes with it. Uh, caffeine interferes with it. So you don't want it at the same time as your coffee. So it is really important. So that's a perfect. If you're waking up and taking it first thing in the morning before a couple hours before you eat anything, perfect. That's yes, that's the way to do it. Good recommendation. Okay. Apple 369. Hello. Does Dr. Miller see connection between thyroid health and you pronounce that? <laughs> Myalgic encephalomyelitis. Um, so encephalomyelitis is inflammation of the brain. I'm not sure what the myalgic part is. That's muscle. Um, thyroid health and I would say that's a tricky one. I sort of feel like everything is connected. So I look at people holistically. And so I would want to know everything about someone. Um, but that being said, it's not like it's known that someone with thyroid disease gets 
um, encephalomyelitis. So I don't know a link like that at all. Um, those might be separate, but whatever's triggering one could be triggering the other. So I would want to kind of look at and anything else going on in you and what is triggering it? Why, why would your body be doing these things and kind of try to draw some sort of link? And as we try to heal, we heal the whole body, remember? So we're not just healing the thyroid or not just healing the brain or the muscles or the spinal cord. We're healing the whole body. And so it's with that holistic approach. I feel like everything is linked. But the answer to that is probably no. I don't personally know of a link. Uh, more specific than the whole body. <laughs> oh, is that Adelaide, it's chronic fatigue syndrome. Oh, okay. that's the term that they've come up with, right? Um, yes, thyroid disease and chronic fatigue can be linked together. Um, absolutely. So, and again, it's it, it is sort of that holistic approach, though. Chronic fatigue improves a lot with the, the tips that I just recommended, um, and so and as the, does the thyroid. So um, it can be linked, but it's, but again, not always. I see a lot of people that are just hypothyroid and I see a lot of people with chronic fatigue who are not hypothyroid or hyperthyroid. So not always, but it's still the same answer. Like whatever's triggering the one could be triggering or exacerbating, worsening the other. Um, and so, yeah, that is something that we can get people with chronic fatigue better. It takes a little bit of effort though, but yes, um, I hope that, I hope that you're improving as you, with your own program, what you're working on. Well, it sounds like the tips that you gave it, even if you didn't have any issue with your thyroid, it still sounds like a lot of the tips that you gave could be helpful to many people. That's okay. the benefit of lifestyle medicine, right? It's it improves and it prevents other things from going wrong, and that's the magic of this medicine. It's so powerful that while we're healing one thing, we're preventing all this other stuff, or we're healing, we're sort of healing. Yeah, it all works for all sorts of different parts of our bodies. I have Hashimoto's and difficulty swallowing. I was told not to eat nightshades. Mm. What can I eat? So interesting. So nightshade vegetables um, are. Um, it's a certain type of chemical that's in certain vegetables, and that's tomatoes and eggplant and bell peppers and sweet peppers, peppers basically, um, and white potatoes. And there's a couple other things like goji berries and um, I think tobacco is a nightshade, but um, it's a couple things like that. So to avoid nightshades, nightshades are, are often linked with worsening joint pains in some people. And I guess your doctor thought it might worsen your um difficulty swallowing but um so you want to remove those at least temporarily and see how you do and so you can eat all the other wonderful plant-based foods so there are you know the whole rainbow um all the grains the um all the different types of legumes nuts and seeds um so there's still a whole lot to eat even without those and i would still build you a you know, nice, healthy plant-based diet with those gone. And what I usually do for people, because nightshades are only a small percentage of people that are actually affected by them, maybe 10% at best, I think is what the data is showing right now. And so after a trial, like maybe three months off them, I would bring in one of them, like maybe tomatoes or peppers and see what reaction you're getting, unless you have an actual allergy to it. If your doctor has tested you and, and sees that you have allergy to it, then, um, and I don't mean just, a, an, I mean actual allergy, the IgE, where you get the shortness of breath or swelling in your throat or esophagitis, if that's what you're getting, then you want to stay off it longer or indefinitely. But if you're just um, IgG antibodies, and you're not an allergic person, but you're just making IgG where it worsens symptoms, those improve. IgG antibodies actually improve and with a healthy diet, with a healthy lifestyle, and we can reintroduce it. So it would depend on what the reaction is that your doctor knows about. Um, but what you would eat would be everything else. And there's so much more that you can eat. So hopefully you can build yourself a nice, diverse plant-based diet without those foods. I'm glad you talked about that because for some people, they just read something about nightshades and maybe didn't get a recommendation or and getting tested. And I'm glad that you brought up the testing because sometimes the nightshades just get a bad rap and, yeah. and maybe they could possibly, like you said, go off of it and reintroduce one at a time and see if there's any kind of reaction. That sounds like good advice. Mm -hmm. I'm a female in my twenties and have noticeable facial hair. Could that be a sign of thyroid issues? 
It could. It's just definitely a sign of hormone imbalance. It makes me think of things like PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is a hormone imbalance. And it's usually um, extra insulin, um, so difficulty with glucose metabolism. And it's um, a testosterone increase, which is where the facial hair comes from. It can be thyroid imbalance in some people as well. And so having your hormones checked would be important in your glucose level. And if that's what it is, that responds well to a whole food plant-based diet and a fiber-rich diet, removing extra hormones from your food, eating organic if you can, and um, bringing your hormones, your microbiome back into balance, make sure your gut function is functioning well. And so I have, I actually have several patients who have had remarkable improvements with a full body you know, improvement like that, but I would start with a whole food plant-based diet it will, and checking your levels check your hormones. If that's what's going on, um, it's actually pretty common. Um, I don't know how your menstrual periods are. Sometimes menstrual periods are out of balance too. And um, you may have some of these symptoms or all of them, or there's other causes as well. So I would definitely have your numbers checked and see what, find out first what's going on. And then yes, put yourself on a high fiber, good whole food, plant-based diet, work on your mind, body and your stress and those things. And um, if you're not getting results, you can work with someone who can help you um, get that under control. You mentioned hormones. So what hormones would you test? I, I would check estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, thyroid, maybe insulin and glucose. Um, insulin's a hormone as well. I would check those as well as and thyroid. I think I said that. And, and uh, make sure all that's in balance. Interesting. Body is a miraculous machine. Isn't it? It's so amazing. <laughs> amazing to me. It's a miracle every day when I talk to people. I'm like, I can't believe our bodies do all these things. Well, I'm really so glad that you joined us today. I, I could just go on and on with you <laughs> and, and asking questions because it's just so very interesting. And I'm sure it's very, very helpful for everyone. So again, if you want to tell people how they can get in touch with you, if maybe they want to have a consult. Thank you. You can reach me through plantbasedtelehealth.com and um, you can book an appointment. I'm happy to see anyone and talk to you and help you in any way I can. Is there anything that you would like to add as far as words of encouragement or, or advice? I always say to my patients and to myself, my own mantra, our bodies heal. Our bodies always want to heal. So if something's going wrong, we just have to figure out what is triggering it to go wrong, take out that trigger, whatever it is, whether it's our stress, whether it's the air pollution, whether it's our food, and give it the good stuff. Give it the love, give it the joy, give it the good food and nutrients, and our bodies will heal. They really, they do their best to heal. So um, we just got to help them along. Well, thanks, Dr. Miller. I wanted to thank you to you. I also have a special announcement that's coming up, so please stay tuned. I want to bring out somebody who's been helping us in the background, and that's Rebecca. She's from PKA Solves, and she's been helping us with the questions and so forth. Hi, Rebecca. I want to thank Jess from Just Toss Voice. She did the countdown and the promos for us. But mostly, I want to thank you guys because... I am here to try to bring this information out to the world. And by you watching and sharing, subscribing and liking and making comments, this is what brings all this stuff in the internet to everybody out there. And you're helping bring this information so that we can try to get at least one person out in the universe today that may have had some really good information and maybe can do some more healing with this advice. Oh, we have a lot of people saying that complimenting you and saying what a terrific guest you are. I wanted to also remind you, if you guys can type in the comments, be strong, be well, and be green. That's something else that you can type in too. And now Jess Taz Voice, tell us who's coming up next. Coming up next, Nutritarian chef Talia Furman just released her first cookbook, Desserts to Live For, a collection of heavenly desserts with zero guilt, zero sacrifices, and zero risks of bodily harm with only good-for-you ingredients. The eldest daughter of Dr. Furman, Talia will be doing a recipe demo from her book. Please join us on Wednesday, July 7th, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Be Green with Amy Live. Well, thanks again, Dr. Miller. And until I see all of you again, remember, be strong, be well, and be green. <laughs>